So today we are on the final gift in our series on spiritual gifts. And so today's gift is the gift of prophecy. In 1 Corinthians 12 verse 10, it says he gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. To operate in this gifting, to prophesy, is to speak a divinely inspired utterance or revelation. For a messenger of God to predict or to tell what is to come. This gift of prophecy, it is so evident throughout scripture. Right from the very beginning through to the very end, God is speaking. God is telling the future to his people and through his people. In 1 Corinthians 14, Paul uses almost a whole chapter to teach us about the gift of speaking in tongues and also the gift of prophecy. And he makes this clear distinction between the two, that the ability of speaking in tongues allows an individual to experience and commune with God by themselves. But with the ability to prophesy, it allows many to hear God's voice. In verses 3 and 4 of 1 Corinthians 14, he says, But one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally, but one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. So this morning, I want to share a thread, a thread in which over and over again, God has strengthened his people, each in their own time. And I want to share it to hopefully strengthen us again today. So I've got a number of passages that I'll read through back to back. And as I do, listen carefully and see if you can pick up any common themes or if there's anything that stands out to you among them. So I'm going to start in Isaiah chapter 42, if you want to turn Bear with me. So starting in chapter 42, verse 1. Look at my servant, whom I strengthen. He is my chosen one who pleases me. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or raise his voice in public. He will not crush the weakest reed or put out a flickering candle. He will bring justice to all who have been wronged. He will not falter or lose heart until justice prevails throughout the earth. Even distant lands beyond the sea will wait for his instruction. God the Lord created the heavens and stretched them out. He created the earth and everything in it. He gives breath to everyone, life to everyone who walks the earth. And it is he who says, I, the Lord, have called you to demonstrate my righteousness. I will take you by the hand and guard you. And I will give you to my people, Israel, as a symbol of my covenant with them. And you will be a light to guide the nations. You will open the eyes of the blind. You will free the captives from prison, releasing those who sit in dark dungeons. I am the Lord. That is my name. I will not give my glory to anyone else, nor share my praise with carved idols. Everything I prophesied has come true, and now I will prophesy again. I will tell you the future before it happens. I'm going to continue now from Matthew 17, verse 1. 
It says six days later, Jesus took Peter and the two brothers, James and John, and led them up a high mountain to be alone. As the men watched, Jesus' appearance was transformed so that his face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as light. Suddenly, Moses and Elijah appeared and began talking with Jesus. Peter exclaimed, Lord, it's wonderful for us to be here. If you want, I'll make three shelters as memorials, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. But even as he spoke, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Listen to him. The disciples were terrified, and they fell face down on the ground. Then Jesus came over and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. And when they looked up, Moses and Elijah were gone. They only saw Jesus. As they went back down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, Don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. Then his disciples asked him, Why do the teachers of religious law insist that Elijah must return before the Messiah comes? Jesus replied, Elijah is indeed coming first to get everything ready. But I tell you, Elijah has already come, but he wasn't recognized, and they chose to abuse him. In the same way, they will also make the Son of Man suffer. Then the disciples realized he was talking about John the Baptist. The next passage we'll read is in Second Peter chapter 1, from verse 12. Starting in verse 12, Peter writes, Therefore, I will always remind you about these things, even though you already know them and are standing in the truth you have been taught. And it is only right that I should keep on reminding you as long as I live. For our Lord Jesus Christ has shown me that I must soon leave this earthly life. So I will work hard to make sure you always remember these things after I am gone. For we were not making up clever stories when we told you about the powerful coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We saw his majestic splendor with our own eyes when he received honor and glory from God the Father. The voice from the majestic glory of God said to him, This is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. We ourselves heard that voice from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. Because of that experience, we have even greater confidence in the message proclaimed by the prophets. You must pay close attention to what they wrote, for their words are like a lamp shining in a dark place. Until the day dawns and Christ, the morning star, shines in your hearts. Above all, you must realize that no prophecy in scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. No, those prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. The final passage we'll read is right at the end in Revelation 22. Starting from verse 16. 
I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this message for the churches. I am both the source of David and the heir to his throne. I am the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say come. Let anyone who hears this say come. Let anyone who is thirsty come. Let anyone who, is de who desires drink freely from the water of life. And I solemnly declare to everyone who hears the words of prophecy written in this book, if anyone adds anything to what is written here, God will add to that person the plagues described in this book. And if anyone removes any of the words from this book of prophecy, God will remove that person's share in the tree of life and in the holy city that are described in this book. He who is the faithful witness to all these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. May the grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's holy people. Across these four scriptures, the, this thread of God's word, it spans almost the entire breadth of scripture, beginning with the prophet Isaiah in the Old Testament and ending with the last of Revelation. It begins with prophecy and it ends with prophecy. There's this flow of prophecy spoken into life, prophecy fulfilled and spoken again, prophecy fulfilled and spoken again, then once more prophecy fulfilled and spoken again. It's a constant cycle spiraling its way throughout scripture and our history, bringing light and hope and life. In this thread, Isaiah speaks at first, prophesying of God's chosen servant, the one that God is well pleased with, strengthened by the Holy Spirit, given to God's people to bring justice, to be a guiding light, to bring healing and freedom and to receive God's glory. And then in Matthew 17, Peter and James and John, they are witnesses to this incredible transfiguration. As Jesus is transformed into dazzling light and they hear God's voice from heaven to them declaring, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. Isaiah spoke the prophecy. He spoke these words into life. And all these years later, there it is what he spoke coming to life, word became flesh in Jesus. The chosen servant with whom God is pleased is God's own dearly loved son who brings him great joy. And then Peter, in his own book, he remembers the moment. He remembers that day on that mountain where they witnessed Jesus receiving God's glory. Isaiah 42 verse 8 says, I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not give my glory to anyone else. And Peter confirms it in 2 Peter 1 verses 16 and 17. We were not making up clever stories when we told you about the powerful coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. We saw his majestic splendor with our own eyes when he received honor and glory from God the Father. Peter had seen the fulfillment of what Isaiah had prophesied. And no, he wasn't just making up a tall tale. He had seen with his own eyes the majestic splendor of Jesus Christ. And they had heard with their own ears 
the voice of God imparting glory and honor upon Jesus from heaven. Peter wasn't making up what he had seen or heard, and neither was Isaiah when he first spoke those words into the world. Peter goes on in 2 Peter 1 from verse 19. Because of that experience, we have even greater confidence in the message proclaimed by the prophets. You must pay close attention to what they wrote, for their words are like a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and Christ the morning star shines in your hearts. Again, we get this imagery of light, which comes up over and over again throughout this thread. Isaiah spoke about it. You will be a light to guide the nations. Jesus became it, and Peter saw it. As the men watched, Jesus' appearance was transformed so that his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as light. Now Peter calls on this image of light once more, as he speaks of the importance of what the prophets, such as Isaiah, wrote, saying that their prophecies, what they spoke, are like a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and Christ the morning star shines in our hearts. Which that bit gets a little confusing, doesn't it? But then we come to Revelation 22, and this chapter picks up these loose, kind of cryptic ends, and we begin to make sense of what Peter was writing about. John, the author of the book of Revelation, writes what he hears Jesus saying. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this message to the churches. I am both the source of David and the heir to his throne. I am the bright morning star. The morning star that we wait upon is Jesus. The day that we are waiting to dawn is the day that Jesus returns, to which John writes, the spirit and the bride say, come. Let anyone who hears this say, come. Let anyone who is thirsty, come. Let anyone who desires drink freely from the water of life. The Holy Spirit and the Bride of Christ, the church, say come. The Spirit and the Bride, they egg on the day of Jesus' return. The chosen servant, the one who will not falter or lose heart until justice prevails throughout the earth. That day is coming. And the Spirit and the Bride say come. Amen, Lord Jesus, come. This thread that weaves its way throughout the Bible begins with prophecy and it ends with a prophecy. It begins with a prophecy of hope and life for the people of Israel. They are not forgotten by God. He sees them and he knows them and he is sending his chosen servant to them. It then ends with much the same, a prophecy of hope and life for the followers of Jesus. Jesus is returning soon and he invites all to come to drink freely from the water of life. The way, all those years ago, was illuminated by the words spoken by Isaiah and the other prophets. And the path now is lit for us by the words recorded by the words recorded by John in the book of Revelation. 
Yet along the way, God is still generous and gives us bursts of light. Peter, James, and John, they got quite a literal burst of light when they witnessed Jesus transform into light before their eyes, and they heard God speak, bestowing his honor and glory upon his Son. They also then received this burst of light as Jesus revealed to them that the purpose of John the Baptist, the one who was the messenger, the one who came to make the way for Jesus, the one that the religious leaders had discounted and abused. Then Peter, in his own book, he goes back to this moment and he brings this burst of light, this burst of truth, that the voice of the prophets can be relied on, that the word of Christ is trustworthy and firm. What the prophets declared and recorded in Scripture What Jesus spoke in his time on earth will come to pass if it hasn't already found its fulfillment. And then there's us. We find ourselves living in the middle of this thread. This thread is yet to be completed. It is yet to connect the beginning to the end. And that is where we exist, right here and right now. So look out. Because if his history is anything to go by, God will have bursts of light, visions of the future to share with us, his people, along the way, as we walk towards what we know is to come. But also in this thread, we get a few choice learning moments as we think more specifically about the gift of prophecy. The first is this, found in Isaiah 42, verse 9. Everything I prophesied has come true, and now I will prophesy again. I will tell you the future before it happens. This was spoken by the Lord. Everything that he had put into words, either through himself or through the mouths of the prophets, was true and had found fulfillment. And so he would prophesy again, describing prophecy in his own words, as I will tell you the future before it happens. Spirit-given prophecy is God telling the future before it happens, and spirit-given prophecy always sees fulfillment. It is God revealing to his people his plans for them and drawing them in to share his vision with them so that they might be strengthened as they see what their good and faithful God holds for them. The next thing that we learn about the gift of prophecy comes in 2 Peter 1, verses 20 to 21, where Peter writes, Above all, you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. No, those prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit, and they spoke from God. Spirit-given prophecy is just that. It is given by the Spirit. A prophecy has no standing, no depth, no substance if it is not Spirit-given. The prophecies recorded in Scripture, like the ones that we've just been through today, they find their origin in God. They're not just stories made up to please us, 
not things that the prophets just came up with. They were spirit-given words, words of God, and the prophets spoke them as such. The prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. Spirit-given prophecy relies on the Spirit to impart the message, to impart the words to say, but those words are given to human beings. The human, we are a part of it. We are invited to be the messengers of these divine utterances. Prophecy fully involves both God and humanity. Spirit-given prophecy relies on the giftings and talents of an individual in order to deliver the message to the people and in the way that God intends it. Spirit-given prophecy is a partnership. Finally, John urges us in Revelation 22 verses 18 and 19, I solemnly declare to everyone who hears the words of prophecy written in this book, If anyone adds anything to what is written here, God will add to that person the plagues described in this book. And if anyone removes any of the words from this book of prophecy, God will remove that person's share in the tree of life and in the holy city that are described in this book. He who is the faithful witness to all these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Though the Spirit gives fresh prophecy each and every day, we live in a time of still yet to come. Ancient prophecy still guides us and leads us on, a lamp shining for us in this dark world as we await the day that our Lord returns. John warns us here never to add to or never to take away from the vision of the future that God has gifted us in his holy scripture. As we just read what God spoke through the prophet Isaiah, God's word, God's spirit-giving prophecy is sure and is true. God has told us our future before it has happened, and we live in anticipation of that future he has shown us. What he has spoken, what he has recorded in scripture for us is spirit-given prophecy, and it will come to pass. Let us never detract from the day where he who is faithful witness to all these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Let us never lose sight of that day. Let me finish this morning with Paul's words that I read at the start. But one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally, but one who speaks the word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. Spirit-given prophecy is sure. It is God revealing to us the future before it happens. And when God speaks, we are assured that he will bring it to fruition. Spirit-given prophecy is imparted by the Spirit but it uses us, unique and gifted human vessels, to bring those words and messages to others as God intended, in partnership with him. Spirit-given prophecy is both fresh and ancient. Jesus says, yes, I am coming soon, 
and we live awaiting the ultimate fulfillment of that future. Let us never try to take away from that. And spirit-given prophecy always strengthens others, encourages others, and comforts others. Those who speak words of prophecy can strengthen an entire church. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for the words recorded in your holy scripture. We thank you that those words are sure and true. We thank you, Lord God, that you have given us a vision of our future. You have shown us the day we are awaiting. Let us never lose sight of that day. And God, I pray as we walk towards that day, with every step, would your Holy Spirit breathe upon us fresh revelations? Would you share with us, Holy Spirit, fresh prophecies to share with your people? Would you give us messages to bring? Would you give us words to say? And would you give us the boldness to speak them? Encourage us, Holy Spirit, so that we may encourage one another around us. We thank you that you are the God of today and tomorrow. We thank you that you are the God of our history. And we thank you that we can stand upon these things recorded in your word that show us and tell us that you are a good and faithful God. Holy Spirit, we invite you to speak to us now. As we just take a moment before we close with the song, let's use this time just to be quiet, to wait upon God. What might he be saying to you this morning? What message might he have for you or for us as a church? <laughs>